Maybe you've heard of a tender Tennessee Christmas, or maybe you've been in New York City at Christmas. But what about Pakistan? You ever been to Pakistan during Christmas time? In her book, Alan Was Away, basically the story of my life, missionary Georgine Shalm tells the story of celebrating Christmas in Pakistan. She wrote, My parents came from Canada for our first Christmas in Pakistan in 1982. They loved sitting in the garden, sipping tea, and telling Bible stories to Kamala, their granddaughter. The flourishing poinsettias and other tropical plants provided a beautiful backdrop to these special moments. During their visit, our English congregation held their first ever Christmas program. The Sunday school children recited Bible verses and Christmas poems and sang Christmas carols and songs, which they were so proud to perform. But not only children performed that special night. Alban de Saul, whose family was originally from India, was the MC for the program. Several months prior, he had decided to take German classes. I have no idea why he wanted to learn German, but he did. In conversation with my father that evening, they discovered they both knew the words to Silent Night in German. Apparently, my dad had learned the words when he was in Europe during the Second World War and had kept them stored in his memory ever since. I'd certainly never heard him sing in German before. Brother Alban announced there was one item that had been left off the program. Then he invited my father up to the stage and asked me to join them with my accordion. I have to say it was quite surreal to hear a gone from India and a Canadian singing Silent Night in Germany in Karachi, Pakistan. When an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth, he said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The birth of Jesus introduced the possibility of salvation for every person, regardless of their national origin or language. There is no exception. We read in the book of Acts chapter 17 that God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. That is a reason to rejoice and we're going to hear all about it right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. You are listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. We've got a student guide that goes right along with what we are learning as we walk through God's Word for Life. So if you have that student guide, please turn to the lesson dated December 19th, 2021, and it is entitled Rejoicing with Great Joy. If you don't have a student guide, you certainly can just follow along in the Word of God or just listen. I want to read to you some very familiar verses, two of them, especially around this Christmas season. They are found in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And the angel said unto them, referring to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, if you live anywhere near me in Ohio, or you live up in Canada, or maybe you live in Uganda, 
you're probably not real familiar with the distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem. We hear the stories, we hear the names, we hear the cities, but we don't really know where they are. The distance as the crow flies is around 70 miles, and not sure how the crow gets all the press, but he does. But the route they took most likely took Joseph and Mary about 90 miles over a period of four to seven days. This was not a leisure trip. They weren't going on vacation. They were responding to the decree of the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus to register for taxation. It was necessary for all the people to return to their ancestral cities. So for Joseph, that was Bethlehem since he was descended from David. From a biblical standpoint, though, the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem fulfilled the prophecy of Micah chapter 5. When they finally did make it to Bethlehem, there was no ready welcome for Joseph and Mary. There was no room for them in the inn. Which, the inn really wasn't like a first century hotel as much as it was a business providing shelter for travelers all under one roof. 2,000 years have lent themselves to the development of some pretty rich lore and tradition about Jesus' birth. I've seen the plays where the innkeeper comes out and says, sorry, no room, and points away. And the wife mercifully comes out and says, oh, honey, there's a place for you in the stable out back. But the Bible doesn't say anything about an angry, impatient, or frenetic, or frustrated innkeeper whose merciful wife mercifully provided a space in the barn. Also, while we're tearing apart traditions, the shepherds and wise men, they did not come at the same time, no matter how many nativity scenes show that. We don't even know how many wise men there were, but we do know they came on the scene up to two years later when Joseph and Mary were living in a house. We read about that in Matthew chapter 2. The biblical account of Jesus' birth, it's, it's simple, it's straightforward, but it's magnificent. Jesus' birth is recorded only in Luke. We're not told how long Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem before Jesus was born. Mary was great with child, and while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. The most significant birth ever accomplished transpired in what might seem to be the most unlikely places and unlikely times. No better description of what happened here than what we read in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus, God himself, embraced the full expression of human existence. Not only did the creator enter his creation, he did so in the humblest way possible. Now, so far, Let's just stop for a moment. Have you discovered anything that's new to you in this lesson, this episode? And if so, does it change your thinking about any aspect of Christmas? Maybe you had the wise men coming to the manger, but Scripture says they came to a house, probably a couple years later. If so, in what ways has it changed it? And in what ways has it stayed the same? And keep in mind that some of the traditions we have placed over and layered over the Christmas story are not out of the Bible. They're just out of tradition. It doesn't change the Word of God. It might just change your nativity scene. In vivid contrast to the thick darkness that would come upon the earth as Jesus hung dying on the cross, the night of his birth was turned into the brightest day as the glory of the Lord shone round about the shepherds. So bright the light that they were terrified. And in the midst of this light came the angel of the Lord with an announcement that would transform all human history from that moment forward. Even 
Before this night, Gabriel appeared to Mary to announce she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God, the heir to the throne of David, whose kingdom would have no end. An angel of the Lord also appeared to Joseph in a dream to inform him that the baby in Mary's womb was indeed conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's okay, Joseph. She's not been unfaithful. This is a miracle. And you're going to call his name Jesus. An angel. Have you ever had an encounter with an angel? You ever known somebody who personally has had an encounter with an angel? What must that be like? It must be glorifying and terrifying at the same time. The word angel in scripture literally means messenger. Sometimes it refers to a human messenger. Sometimes it refers to someone who came from heaven. Either way, they come with a word from the Lord. But these, these were angels. The angels who appeared to the shepherds were messengers from the Lord. They delivered the precise message God wanted the shepherds to hear. Fear not. Too late. (laughs) For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a feed trough. That's where the Savior of the world is can be found. We read in John that wonderful, familiar verse that we read and we see on signs in the end zone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Condemnation was already a fact. We read in John just a little later than that, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That simply means for those who love darkness, they don't want light because light will reveal what they've done and who they are. But those who love light, who love God, who love righteousness, love it when God shines his light on their life. Because even if there is evil, God can reveal it. They can repent of it. God can forgive them. And we can be in right relationship with God. People did not begin to hate light only when Jesus came into the world. That problem began long ago in Eden's garden. Those who believe in Jesus, who put their faith in him exclusively, can escape this dark condemnation, live in joyous, glorious light. This was prefigured by the shepherds upon the arrival of the angel of the Lord, when darkness turned today into brilliant, glorious light. The angel's message was good tidings or good news. This is the meaning of the word gospel. The same word used in Luke 10 is used in 1 Corinthians 15. Instead of fear, the angel's announcement was an occasion for great joy, but not just for the shepherds, for all people, in all places, for all times. The baby born that night was the Savior, Christ the Lord. When you think of the word gospel, what is the first idea that comes to mind? That heavenly visitation the shepherds experienced, it would not allow delay. As soon as the angels were gone, the shepherds hurried to Bethlehem to visit Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus, and they found everything just as they had been told. 
what the shepherds saw before their eyes when they saw the angel of the Lord. They knew this is the Christ child. And Luke 2 tells us they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Can you imagine the shepherds' breathless excitement as they told everybody they met about the angels and about their personal experience of walking into the stable and seeing the Savior lying in the manger? And apparently nobody who heard their testimony just dismissed it outright. The Bible says they wondered at the things told them by the shepherds. Meanwhile, Mary knew exactly what was going on, but she didn't talk about it. Instead, she pondered these things in her heart. After spreading the news of that night to everyone possible, all throughout Bethlehem and beyond, the shepherds returned to their field, their flock, and they were still glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, just as they were told by the angels. We're not there to behold that resplendent scene in a field or visit the newborn baby in the manger, but we have reason to replicate the shepherd's joy, to glorify, to praise God. First of all, we have the scripture that preserves the account of the birth of Christ. The reason we can tell the Christmas story is we have it. It's not merely a story with a moral. It's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It is a vivid description of truth that resonates in our hearts of faith. Secondly, we've been transformed by the work Jesus Christ accomplished on our behalf. Now we are in him through baptism. We put on Christ. And because we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is in our hearts. We cry, Abba, Father. We call God, Father. So in what sense do we have more reason to rejoice than the shepherds did? Okay, some of you are still reeling from the understanding that the wise men were not at the manger. So let's talk about them. The shepherds were not alone in their privilege of visiting Jesus in the earliest days of his life on earth. The wise men traveled from the east, probably somewhere in the Persian Empire. And they arrived first in Jerusalem. They were seeking the king of the Jews. They saw a star that they understood to signify the birth of the king of the Jews, and they came to worship him. When the wise men learned the Hebrew prophet Micah identified Bethlehem as his birthplace, they followed the same star they saw in the east until that marked the location of young baby Jesus. Except for he was not newborn baby Jesus, likely He was probably a couple years old. These wise men were not a lot like the shepherds. Their social standing was much higher. They were much more welcomed in town. But much like the shepherds, the wise men rejoiced with exceeding great joy when they saw the star that identified the house where Jesus lived with Mary and Joseph. Whether you identify more with the outcasts like the shepherds or you identify more with the in crowd like the wise men, you are welcome to worship Jesus. Even today, it's not unusual for those who first meet Jesus to respond with joy and gladness and praise. The wise men, they brought gifts to present to the new king. They entered the house. They saw Mary and Jesus and a young child. And when they fell down to worship him, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gifts tell us just a little bit about the wise men's wealth and Jesus' identity. For instance, the gold recognized Jesus' royalty as king, the frankincense of his deity, and the myrrh of his sacrifice, his suffering. 
Now, other theories have been offered as well. From a practical standpoint, the gold would have been a great help to help finance the family's trip and stay in Egypt while they waited on Herod's death. And they didn't even know about that, but God did and provided for them. Like the first century worshipers, whether shepherds or wise men, we offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13, verse 15. The New Testament command has its roots in the Hebrew Scriptures. When the Scripture says, Take words with you and return to the Lord, say to him, Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we offer the sacrifices of our lips. Hosea 14, verse 2. Those of us who have had this wonderful Pentecostal experience, this spirit infilling, this baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, repentance for the forgiveness of our sins, we instinctively follow the example of those in Scripture. We follow the example of the 3,000 who believed Peter's words and were baptized in water and spirit. They received the word gladly, praising God for their experience. Words like joy, joyous, joyful, joyfully, they they appear more than just at Christmas time. They're all throughout the Bible, namely the book of Acts, found 75 times from the book of Acts to the end of the New Testament. Just an indicator that when you experience the presence of God in your life like they did, joy is the right response. So think about your life. What evidence in your life would testify that you are joyful, or joyous. Okay, let's wrap this up. Think about you on the hillsides in Bethlehem. How would you have responded had you been one of those shepherds on that night in Bethlehem? What about one of the wise men? How would you have responded? What would your reaction have been when you entered the house of the young Jesus to see him and his mother for the first time and realized this young boy is the king kings will bow to? What about now? What about your current response to the presence of God? How do you think it compares with what you think it would have been in those days? Should we rejoice more than they did? Because we don't just have him with us, we have him within us. Or let's bring us to a more recent comparison. How does your response today to compare to the day you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Are you as happy and joyful now as you were then? Or to the moment you were baptized with the Holy Spirit? Just a few weeks ago, I baptized a young lady in church and she came up out of the water. She lifted her hands high and she said, Thank you, Lord. And I could see on her face and hear in her voice, she had been set free from sin and forgiven. What about your response to God? Make sure, not just at Christmas time, but all throughout the year, that the response we offer to God is one out of gratitude and joy for who he is and what he has done. And let's have a very Merry Christmas, remembering the one who brought us great joy will still fill our hearts with joy. Let's pray and let's praise and let's thank God gloriously, joyfully for his goodness and his grace. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your mercy, your grace, your greatness. We love you and thank you for the sacrifice. You came all the way from heaven to earth for us. I thank you for that. Everything Christmas represents, I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, help us to have joy. In our lives, help us to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, to draw water from the wells of salvation with joy 
I pray you'd fill our hearts with joy, not just this time, but all time. I pray, fill our hearts with joy, Lord. Let others see your love and your joy through us. I pray as you fill us with your spirit and the fruit that comes from your spirit, we pray this and thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode's been a blessing to you. I hope, I sincerely hope, you and yours have a very Merry Christmas this Christmas week. Please take it as easy as you can. Try not to hurry and hurry and hurry through it, only to find out that it's over, and now you've got to wait another 365 days for it to come again. But relish and savor the time you have this week as all the world looks back toward Bethlehem to remember the Christ who was born there. If you're looking for some gift ideas, you can head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got great resources there, Bible study resources, devotional resources, Bibles. We've got books, music, great resources. So head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can also pick up student guides and companion guides that go right along God's Word for Life so you can continue to study and grow in your relationship and discipleship with Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to take a look at the lesson that is dated December 26th, 2021, and it is entitled, I Am. We're going to take a look at John chapter 8, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Merry Christmas, God's Word for Life, friends. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.